What would it be like to cross Tasmania? What would it be like to cross Tasmania in the winter? What would it be like to cross Tasmania in the winter on your own and without any support at all? Only those who are willing to step into the unknown are able to answer questions like these. Those individuals who imagine something that is just beyond what we think is possible and do whatever it takes to see it through. These are the last great adventurers, the pathfinders, the explorers. But a big question is asked about people like this is why? Why in an advanced world like ours where most of the land has already been explored, would someone put themselves in a risky situation like this? To answer questions like this, my guest this week is probably the most qualified person on earth, Louis-Philippe Lonk. Louis-Philippe is commonly known as the Mad Belgian, uh, and he's explored more and has more firsts and unsupported expeditions to his name than even some of the most famous explorers throughout history. The list includes a a first unsupported winter, winter crossing of Tasmania, unsupported crossing of the West McConnell National Park in Australia, unsupported traverse of Fraser Island, and so many more. This was a really interesting conversation, but unfortunately, technology had its wicked way and failed me towards the ending of the recording, losing about 15 minutes or so of our conversation. But despite the glitch, Louis-Philippe was an amazing guest, providing his unique insight and experience of the world of unsupported challenges and how they can not only shift the limits of what we believe is possible, but also how it can actually benefit us to learn how humans can survive in certain situations. So this is the Hiker Podcast. I am Owen Hamilton, and here's my conversation with Louis-Philippe Lonk, aka The Mad Belgian. So first question, where did the name The Mad Belgian come from? Ah, that's kind of a fun story indeed. Yes. Um... In 2006, I was in Australia and I did a last expedition, my third expedition before going back to Belgium. And I went to Tasmania from December, December 2006 to February 2007. So that expedition lasted 49 days, so seven weeks. Um, Great, I have to start thinking, it has been a while. And... Uh, they called me the the crazy Belgian by then, mm-hmm. because the idea of the expedition was to cross the, on foot, hiking, unsupported, so basically carrying all my food and gas, uh, to cross the wilderness wilderness of Tasmania uh, on foot mm-hmm. from north to south, and uh, linking offshore tra- trails with off-track parts. And I had a list of 15 mountains to climb in the way. That makes it a little bit harder, which means I had to you know, go cross-country to several peaks. And I ended very, very badly at the end. I lost uh, 20, uh, 2012, sorry, kilograms of body mass, but I was already kind of low. So I ended up, there's a photo on my website about that, on, on this, how I looked like at the end. I looked exactly the way... Um, Supertramp, uh, Alexander Supertramp of Into the Wild looked like. Yeah. And when I was back in Belgium, the film, the film just came out. And I went to the cinema. I didn't know, I didn't see the trail. I had no clue it was Into the Wild. So I was, okay, great. Just the title makes it work. Went to see the film, went to the cinema. And my friends that were next to me, they said, 
at the end of the film, he looks exactly like you. <laughs> and, and anyway, so they, they call me the crazy Belgian because of Tasmania. And when I announced in uh, mid-2018, I was going back to Tasmania across the entire state, uh, unsupported in the winter, this time not climbing many mountains, I just um, three ideas of three mountains, and I've done two of the three I wanted to do. Um, some guy went on a forum of the Tasmanian bushwalkers, the hikers for them, bushwalkers, and he said, um, he's back, the mad Belgium is back. And so he misunderstood the word crazy by 15 years ago, mad. And, and yep, I understand the word mad because it's, it's, an, it's an extra level doing it in the winter. Uh, that at, at a certain point, I didn't know, I was, I was on the expedition, I, I read all the, the threads at the end of the expedition after, and I saw they were taking beds for uh, when I was, when the helicopter was going to pick me up. <laughs> so the, the word mad stayed, and, uh, and it's a cool name, you know, it's like the, like badass, it's like badass is actually good, being a badass, but bad is, bad alone is not good, but yeah, mad Belgium seems like, what does it mean? It's also it's 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 involving some curiosity. A Belgian, a mad, but a mad Belgian. What does that exactly mean? A mad Belgian. So I believe people should look after what is a mad Belgian. And obviously, my name is very long, very complicated to remember. It's easier to remember my corn, I and mean, everyone knows my corn. That's very easy to remember. Uh, it's always kind of interesting to be known as the. Uh, something of your nationality so it's like oh yeah. he's the, the, the crazy uh, Irish guy or the you know but to be also to to gain that name on a, an international scale you know that must be kind of there's a sense of pride of like I'm representing my country yeah. as a mad guy <laughs> yeah true and but it only works for small countries no one would say the the crazy American half of them are crazy oh I shouldn't say that but <laughs> we don't love the ones that are very crazy <laughs> So what inspired you then to do your first expedition? Like where, where did that, uh, I think it was back in, in 2006, you, did, it was, uh, you mentioned it was, uh, you did one in Tasmania, but you also did one in, in the Northern Territories. Yes, so the first one, the project was called the Mountains of the Outback. Um, it started when uh, two years prior I was in Australia as a, as a, as a backpacker, you know, you know, I had my backpack hitchhiking, buying a car, traveling around in my car. And I heard about the Lara Pinta Trail that was kind of still new. I, I don't remember when it was set. Um, and I did uh, two sections of the Lara Pinta with uh, three French guys that I stumbled upon in a gas station. We were talking French and they were actually highly from the border and they were basically from across the border. So a few kilometers away. And we did these two sections of 16, I think, and we just loved it. You know, the desert, the, okay, the flies, but in, in the face, but mainly the desert and very new for people living in, in the cold weather, temperate weather. And we said to ourselves, one day we have to come back and do the entire trail. Mm -hmm. And when I was back in Belgium, I started to hear about the, the concept of doing stuff unsupported, like basically you carry everything. Which is also when you kind of, I don't consider myself poor, although some friends say, no, you are poor. <laughs> I said, it's a thing of poor, especially when you have no sponsors. Like, you know, doing something in a season supported involves way less logistics. So it's very cheap expedition. That's what I do. My expedition like, is very cheap. And 
the idea was then to do the entire Lara Pinta trail uh, unsupported. And I found out while preparing that Mount Zale, which is the high summit of northern territory, the state, uh, well, the state is a territory, was uh, in the same national park as the Lara Pinta. And actually, they had planned to extend the Lara Pinta to finish at Mount Sale, which makes kind of sense and nice, like you, you finish or you start at the highest mountain in the national park and in the complete territory of state. But what happens is that it is so remote and hard to get there in case of an injury. You, you need a helicopter. For all the other parts, they can go walking with a bit of a forward drive. They can get there in one hour or two. If you break a leg, that's okay. If it's two days to go and two days to come back, there's a bit of a problem. So it's helicopter. So it's I think they decided to stop it where it is like now because for safety reasons. For uh, yeah, and and then you have a Belgian who decided, oh, that might be possible to to start at the western part of the national park, enter the national park, climb Mont Zale, walk off track to the Larapinda, and follow the Larapinda back to Alice Springs, where it's supposed to start. The idea of starting in Alice Springs, if perhaps the press is interested, and I had my first ever interview there, uh, just right. it's just you know few lines, my little photo, and that was it. It's still there somewhere online, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was the expectation. What but well, I guess what got people at that point like you 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 went and, and did uh, the section of the Lara Pinta Trail and you've kind of researched it more. But what made you? What was the point where you said I want to go and do that? Uh, like the the idea of unsupported, uh, like really going out there completely on your own and tackling something so challenging. Like where did the inspiration come from? That did you did you see somebody else do it? Did you follow somebody that was doing something similar, uh, or did you it just come out of your imagination? Yeah, no, no. You, you I, I think it's hard to come up the imagination. You have some basis, and um, in my first year of traveling in Australia. As a backpacker, I had seen the film Alone Across Australia by John Weir. If I don't know if you hear about him, he did. So it was basically from south, southern Australia to the north. Basically, there you go. <laughs> there you go. No, not this one. Oh, different than yeah, this one. No, no, that's not the American, Australian. It there's no H, it's John G O N. Oh. Yeah, there, there's two, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the, the Australian the Australian is even more impressive. Just just search for Alone Across Australia, buy the film, watch it. It's like wow. Okay. By, okay. The, um, when the film came out in two thousand one or two thousand two, it won like every adventure film festival. It's wow. so uh, it's, it's so authentic, so um, such a great story. Such a great character, John Lewis. He's completely insane. I mean, to me, there's like I invented. Um, I have to kind of validate that, but a, a class of adventures from one to five. That's five is like you know very variable, very a lot of experience and so on. Like I, I even like uh, climbing Mount Everest would, would be class two, which is like very low and still pretty hard. But class five is like use something world class where. The people in in the country themselves are like, what, what the fuck? You know, what? No, no, that's wrong. That's impossible. And 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 I have two class five level expeditions plus two class four expeditions, and that that's uh, what makes me a class five adventure. And there's not nothing higher than class five, but some people are way above 
that I, that I consider them plastics. There's Mike Horn in there, and there's uh, John Weir of Australia. Okay. So, because no one will ever approach its legends amongst the leg amongst uh, amongst the legends. And so, um, yeah. So I, I I understood the concept of unsupported because he crossed Australia unsupported, but he had to to search for his food uh, and hunt as well and find the water, which is extremely hard in, in deserts after deserts. And for the part of the answer of the why I want to do and support it, like I said, it's it's a bit strange. Is that, yeah, logistics would be way easier to just uh, buy and carry all the food because I know some people have done, you know, I, I started with 35 kilograms, but mainly water. So of course, after a few hours, I'm already below uh, 30 liters or something, and and that's it. And that's how I started things. With actually, my trademark is unsupported, and the second part is that the, the recent expeditions, most of them were like a, a very heavy backpack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I read that with your Wikipedia page that the, like the first half of your expeditions, which there are many. Are all unsupported, so that that's that's your your go-to. Oh, my trademark. I I I don't think someone on the planet has so many expeditions unsupported. And don't take me wrong, as some of my expeditions are, are, are were kind of very easy. You know, it's not like I've done crossing the Arctic, Greenland, or stuff unsupported with, without a sail. Uh, that's extremely hard. You know, uh, when you do many small ones. That are easy, but they were just there. They were first because no one just did it before me. And, uh, and that's, and that's, a, yeah. that's that's yeah. another question as well. So where does the uh, the the ideas come from for these expeditions? Because like when you're the first, you are you the first to think of the idea, is there, or has the idea been you know conceptualized by somebody else, and then you kind of go, oh, I'll, I'll do that, or are you thinking, well, yeah. no one's doing it this way? It's a bit of both. There are two two ways I, I have planned my expeditions. Some, uh, like let's say half of them are trails that are officials, like um, official trails. I mean, like the La Pinta is official. What I just add is I want to do it unsupported. It's cheaper, which which also means that I have to do it faster. Well, not faster. It's it's not that I walk fast. It's just that I I have uh, to do very very long days to make it short. So actually, I do it. In shorter time, like the La Pinta Trail, I think it's usually two weeks. I did it in 11 days with the extension to the Mount Sale part, which took me four days. So actually, I did seven days for the La Pinta Trail. That's 16 days. Uh, now the FKT is uh, on two days or even less, but they run. It's a different when they run and, and they carry just a few snacks and they find a bit of water in the way than, than to film yourself with a tripod and... And, and start with Monze, which makes it longer. So, of course, someone beat my FKT on that one because I, I did 333 kilometers, they only do 232. So, if they had to do the part from Monze, they would not be able to run. So, they would need a backpack, which makes them heavy, which then they would be near my 10 days, 10, 11 days. And so, there are official trails on one side. And then there are parts that I find interesting because I just opened an atlas or saw a documentary about the terrain. And I just, oh, I just want to go and see it. And, and it's, it's simple as that. 
or take out official trail that I just want to do it unsupported for the sake of the record, or I want more discovery and I've been hooked by a few images. I say, I just want to go there. Wow. Do, do you, you mentioned FAT. Do you use like FAT, the website, to kind of uh, like find other opportunities as well? Is that another thing that you might do, or is it, is it just simply that you're you're looking at challenges for the sake of challenges? No, because I I do a few other stuff. Uh, like last year, I did no expeditions. Like I did a tour of the Mont Blanc. I, you know, not 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 much advertised. I don't consider that an expedition because there are like thousands of people doing it every year. I did it in support in five days, which is fast. But uh, when I ended uh, 20 minutes after me, a couple of uh, Czech guys, uh, well, a girl and boy, uh, well, a man and a woman, they finished and they did it in four and a half days. So it was like, yeah, but they were obviously, they were two triathletes, which I'm not. So they were even lighter than me in all regard, I guess. Um, and then I did a GR70 as well last year and supported it. Uh, and I don't consider those uh, expeditions because they are very reachable by, by anyone. So uh, you might consider then people like using stores or campsites or, or things like that. That's, that's supported or self-supported at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't because the, the, that's also the good thing. It, it adds a layer of freedom when you are unsupported because I don't need to rely on campsites and and huts. You know, you have this uh, place where you have the booking system in place, and so you, what if you want to stay a bit longer on the trail at a point? No, you have booked uh, the next hut or, or the next gite in French or chalet later or what if you break a leg and or you slow or you, you twist your ankle and then you have to re- rearrange or here i just i don't care i just did where i want i try to be in the rules there's only one place and that was actually last summer where i had to pay and sleep on the deck of a of a of a massive chalet because the fine was 200 feet or 300 euro around 300 euro if the rangers found me in france and they actually do go for and you know, do look for people. So they know some people don't want to pay. They want to sleep in the national park, and they go. So I say, I'm not going to take the risk because I was on an on an FKT. And if they arrest me, apparently one uh, first you pay the fine, and then through the night they come to the to the edge to the border of the national park, where then you. You don't, you don't want to lose time a day on an FKT and, and have a fine on top. So I said, no, nah, let's play the room. Let's sleep uh, on the top of the chalet. Okay. When I arrived, they said, have you got a booking for your time? I said, no, I, I don't know that I was arriving here today. I don't, I don't know when I'm there. Or I just have that. Yeah. And, then... and I guess is that's not considered... That's still considered uh, unsupported. Like you are, it, it's when it's open to anybody. Anybody can can use that facility. Is that is that still considered unsupported? Oh, the reason why I'm asking even more because I actually have a friend that's uh, attempting an unsupported FKT tomorrow uh, here in Ireland, and I'm just actually getting more familiar with the rules. Yeah, the, the, there's there's two. Let's say two. Well, many definitions, but there are two. There are the definitions of FKT. So for this, you have to, to go and check the definitions of FKT on the FKT website. But then there's even more. My um, my definition is uh, would be even um, 
let's say, uh, stricter. Let's say unsupported means there's no human being on the planet, basically. There's just the terrain in you, and you rely on absolutely nothing. But then on the trail, if there's a bridge, do you use the bridge? Is that considered support or not? Or you pass through a village because it's a very long distance and there's a village. You go around the village or in the village because it's macadam, you walk on asphalt, and that's a human structure. And that's very hard to judge. And this is why I came up with now, if it's an official FKT and you follow an official hike, which means you don't divert from the, from the trail, and if the trail passes through a village, passes on a bridge, uh, then you are not cheating because you are using the trail as it's supposed to be. But if you're completely off track, like I did in the Simpson Desert, there are, there are moments where I crossed a few um, four-drive tracks, and it's a bit easier to walk on four-drive tracks than going up and down the dunes. So this I walked, and it can be checked uh, with the GPS points and the tracking that I was 200 meters away, so it's harder. I, I lose perhaps on 5Ks uh, an hour. And let's say I would do 5Ks in two hours instead of one and a half if I was on, on, the, on the thing. But mainly you do it also for yourself because you, have, you, you learn so much more when you're completely in support. So the only thing I accept are smiles and talking to people. That's it. So it even went twice it happened. I had my hiking pole sticks on the ground and I had to explain what I was doing to the guy. And the guy took my sticks, I put my back, my heavy backpack, he took my sticks on the ground and gave them to me and said, no, no, put them back on the ground. I, I, I go that far because I don't want someone who said, it would be like, you know, it'd be like, like, like cheat, like, you know, if you're married and you kiss another girl by accident, yeah, it's my cousin, still it's another woman. It's like, no, you don't want someone to help me for a single little thing so i don't like such smiles and and talks yeah it's something i've thought about with unsupported as well that like who is going to know like it's it's very tricky but i suppose you are the person you're the person that's going to know and like if you achieve that accolade that reward and you know yourself well actually i have was supported here i uh you know I found a, a hiker's box at someone's garden and they had an apple in it. And I, and I the apple, you know. And, and perhaps I'm a complete fake. You know, perhaps I have uh, actually logistics and I had food on the way and massage. And, and perhaps one day I didn't, I put my tent there with my GPS, but I was sleeping in the cabin a kilometer away. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what, go right back, like where you, where you brought up in, a, in an adventurous house, like did you have an outdoorsy family, did you go on hiking, you know, trips, uh, or did you just... <laughs> Absolutely not, no, my father is an in-house architect, and my mom was a teacher, then she also had my dad uh, selling some furniture, and so, because they worked really, really hard, I mean, my dad worked until he's... 60 is like between 60 and 80 hours a week. And wow. so the, the holidays were like really to us. So it was mainly museums. So art, museums. No, the first time I hiked was with the Boy Scouts. So I had the Boy Scouts. So I, when I was 12 or 13, I learned to make knots, made a fire with uh, one match and, uh, and, um, and an axe and, uh, and um, yeah, a piece of wood where you have to make a fire. So I haven't done any of this. So when people say, hey, you know, the survival skills, no. 
I I know how to do it. I I never practiced. So. And so when you went to do like these expeditions, what was the tra- like? How much training and like, I know there's a lot of logistics that have to go into it. Like uh, you know, big maps on the on the table and, and mapping out your 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 plans and probably lots of spreadsheets and you know knowing your calories and all that. But it ter- the, like, did you have to do a lot of training for these? Did you uh, do um, you know recce for the route uh, at all, or did you just go start? you know uh uh what's that what's that uh on-site yeah. on-site yeah. expeditions uh, yeah um it depends I, the first expedition the mountainers of the outback i was living in sydney and i was working in a restaurant and i went to the beach took 30 kilos of sand put it in my backpack and i was walking the streets of sydney for twice a week two hours something like this uh, but the training i do always has have, has always been to avoid injury so it's training the muscles and the tendons because when you have a, a heavy backpack up to 62 kilograms which is which is um, too much of course um, you don't want to you don't want to have an injury on on day one of the expedition because then you look completely stupid and something yeah who who thought <laughs> you know that's kind of obvious <laughs> you you tear a ligament with 62 kilograms because you sleep on, on, on a rock, on a tiny rock, and, and you twist your ankle with 60 kilograms, you, it is the end of the expedition. You cannot twist your ankle when you have 60 kilograms on one foot. It's, it's just finished. So yeah. no, no much training, no, no cardio, no nothing. Uh, I started training again. Actually, I, I hit the gym and I took a, a gym uh, subscription. Uh, after Tasmania in 2016, uh, because I had lost so, so much body mass and I wanted to rebuild my muscles, especially the legs, obviously. And uh, this is where I, and I'm getting older as well. So, you know, when you're still below 35, it's kind of okay. You know, you're still pretty young and, and trained. And, and if you bike a little bit here and there and keep a bit active, but not, not seriously into sports, it's okay. But so. Usually I say there's no much training. The biggest part is the analysis of the terrain. Um, what have people done before who were there? Like if, if I know someone did with a normal backpack, let's say 15 kilograms, did eight hours between this point and this point, I know that if this is one day and he was ultralight, he did in eight, day, eight, eight, eight hours, I say, okay, if I double that, to perhaps 16 hours, I can, I can, I can do it uh, with a backpack of, let's say, 40 kilograms. Mm-hmm. So it's mean it's a lot of analysis and, and risk management. So I always prefer to have a bit of more gear and extra gear because you don't want to fail and start again. When especially when you say like an FKT, an FKT that would be done in in a, I don't know one week of running. If you fail or if you you know, you are you don't beat the record, or you have a little bit of an injury. You can perhaps start start again a month later. But when you do it in support, and I would take you a, a month, a month and a half, and you're near to the end, you don't want to fail. So and you don't want to start again because it, it breaks you completely. There's a completely, it's a complete difference. You know, I compare myself to Killian Jornet, the runner. It has kind of two opposites. 
Of course, he's a super athlete, super fast, super strong, and so on. But put put 20 kilograms on, on his back, and he's a turtle. He's he's not gonna move <laughs> anywhere, I guess. Uh, he's he's gonna have a, a I believe a mental breakdown because after one day he's gonna go for perhaps only 30 or 30 kilometers. It's a completely different game. I mean, unsupported is the hardest way of progressing of progression because there's so many ways to fail: injury, food, equipment failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of. Uh it's a reverse uh, idea on, on the popularity of it as well, because uh, it's the most kind of under the radar form of FKT. Most people don't under, uh, don't recognize the people that do unsupported because I suppose the, the thing that gets the limelight is speed. You know, what, what oh. people go is like, who is the fastest full stop? Exactly, you know? Because you can put a real record under it and beat it. It's speed. And secondly, it's also because it's, it's always with empathy. Um, people understand what is speed. People would understand that if they run a marathon and someone beats them by half an hour, wow, that's, that's, that's really, really fast. If they don't have the experience of, let's say, two weeks unsupported, I don't think many people have been above two weeks unsupported. And then two weeks unsupported is already great, right? Uh, they don't have the impact. they don't know how hard it is, and then and you see with the figures. I mean, Killian Journey, of course, there's the races that are promoted by by the race organizer, organizers and so on. So Killian Journey has or Mike Horn, whatever they have millions of followers or, or hundreds of thousands on Instagram. I'm I might reach uh, one thousand four hundred in the coming days. Not even two thousands. Nothing. With, when people see my CV and like. How non-famous! I'm like, there's something wrong. Like, yeah, I'm from a small country first. I was American. Um, you know, the, the market, the market is begin. Suddenly, they promote better your achievements. That then in Belgium, that, that's already divided into two languages. So it's it's a bit harder. But I don't have to complain. If I was born in Sri Lanka or Zimbabwe, I would be. I would have perhaps never left my country. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is because I like I we do know quite a few uh, people who do unsupported uh, FKTs uh, from time to time who are from America and they do you now they still won't get to the, to the levels of the people who are setting the supported fully supported FKTs, uh, but uh, yeah, there still qu- will be quite a few more and it's, even here in Ireland, there's a few people that have set some pretty impressive unsupported FKTs, but they not recognize as much we obviously speak english here so it's a bit more uh translatable to to the, to the u.s market and to even the british market but um once you speak yeah you're from a country that doesn't speak uh, english it's it's a it's a smaller market that you you, that you have to reach um so i guess like what what has been the most standout expedition that you've done so far and it might be a really hard one to choose and i know there's events that you've like you carried the olympic torch yeah. uh, which is incredible um but has there been a standard expedition that you said that's the one that i'm most proud of i have three <laughs> so um i'd say number one will always be i think the simpson desert um because it is so remote. I mean, it is six times Belgium. Okay, Belgium is small, but six times Belgium, like a third of France, or might be a third of the UK or something. It's, it starts to be big enough. 
mm-hmm. population zero, and when you there you're off track, and even in the northern part, rescue is impossible. It's like Shackleton times. Rescue is impossible. If I have a problem there, I'm dead. Yeah. It's just that. If I'm bitten by a snake, anyway, if I'm bitten by a snake and injects venom, I don't have the, um, the antidote with me that needs to be refrigerated or in cold temperature. I'm dead anyway. So, But if I break my leg uh, or if I hit my head alone, like, you know, well, that's, that's the same thing in Antarctica, right? You hit your head and you're alone. And you don't, no one calls for rescue, or you're getting cold, or you, you freeze to death, whatever, you, you die. So the Simpson does because it is so extreme, and a few people have announced or make an attempt, actually. Uh, another Belgian made an attempt last July, but he failed after three or four days. Uh, he didn't listen to one of my advice, so he failed. <laughs> yeah, too bad for him. An easy advice, but that would have cost him a bit more money. So, you know, when you go to cheap, sometimes you... You make a mistake, and then uh, then second is Tasmania because this is the hardest, the longest. It's it has everything. I, I mean, I cried six times. I cried three times on the last day because I was completely exhausted. I had 400 gram of food for the four remaining days. Oof. Some people say, yeah, that's okay to do 100 uh, gram a day for four days. That's okay. You can live with that. Yeah, but I had been already in the winter for 48 days. It's like it's day 49, 50, 51, 52, where, where I had on average 600 grams, 600, 650 grams for a month and a half <laughs> in the winter, not entering any hut over there. I entered one hut once. Uh, is that support? Yeah, people could say, ah, oh, he, he entered the hut. I didn't sleep. I just went there, saw some people talk and half an hour so anyway and um and then the third was the most enjoyable was going around lake titicaca with uh with gadiel sanchez rivera which actually was the guide of ed stafford a lot of people know ed stafford because of the walking down the amazon and then also the shows now on tv going i think on discovery um, and we, it was fun because it was not supported so we could buy food every three four days or buy food from a fish there, a banana there, bread there, which was really, really fun. Uh, mm. Okay, there were a few times we would be dead as well when when you were in thunderstorm and so on, and, and it's pitch black and we couldn't see each other. Uh, and he was just five meters away from me. I couldn't see him. It was just so dark. Uh, anyway, and uh, yeah, these these were like the three three conditions. Uh, and what? Uh, <laughs> What is that like when you you mentioned that someone else, another Belgian, was attempting the uh, the, the the Simpson um, uh, record? What's that like when you when someone else comes along and 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 you know says that they're going to try and take it on? Are it, do they contact you? Are you contacting them or you know to try and give them advice? What what's that no. experience like? No, he, in this case, he contacted me. Of course, I cannot contact someone if, if I'm not aware they do it. Um, but uh, it's kind of logic. But he um, he contacted me for different advice. He said, yeah, I want to do a desert and uh, I, want, I want to do something. I said, I think I'm going to go for the Simpsons. If you think it's possible, well, I know it's possible. I did it. So, um, And then uh, he actually paid me because, you know, it was full-time, really all my advice I showed him all of my 1,500 photos. So he, he got like the, the best vision ever 
of, of the Simpson Desert to help him all the advice. Uh, because when you plan something hard, is that, that that's also a good thing. Doing something hard makes you learn completely new things. Like mm. Kilian Jornet has no learnings to give to, uh, still a few, of course, but there's a lot of really good runners uh, who can say, yeah, you need that brand of shoe and so on, but we know that. We know how to avoid the sweat or to have blisters. We know that for 20 years now. So, But when you have a heavy backpack, I'm kind of the only one knowing what would happen to your feet when you are above 50 kilograms for a few days. Mm. I, I know what's happening in, uh, and how painful it is, of course. Um, but so, yeah, um, he, of course, it's, What's nice is that you say, okay, if he succeeds, it's great because we're going to share something and he's going to know how hard it is or how not hard it is. But I have to say, no, it was easy. And if he fails, it's also kind of great because they say, yeah, it is really, really hard because even with all my advice, he failed. So it is hard. And yeah, I would love to see someone succeed one day, but. Mm, it was not in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Pride, maybe as well, when someone says they're going to attempt something that you've done. You know, you set the bar on something, and now someone wants to try uh, repeat it or to 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 better it. You know, I, I guess being to, to taking on these adventures, taking on these expeditions, you do it to be the first. Uh, but the first also means the first of more and you want other people to, like you, oh, yeah. you do these expeditions to be the, uh, a, wear, a wayfarer, a pathfinder, someone who is like saying, OK, here's a challenge. Let's let's go do it. So there must be a sense of pride when someone contacts you and says, hey, I like what you did there. I want to do that again. Exactly. There's a lot of pride with it. Um, I can also compare, let's say, and we always base ourselves on, on, on the previous uh, Pathfinders, uh, letters or the adventures, like Randos Messner would not have been able to climb Mount Everest without uh, supplemental oxygen if it was not done before by oxygen, by team, by the Brits and, and, and Hillary and, and, uh, and, and Benzing. So... Of course, we bear ourselves. The things that we didn't support, it's the last milestone. Then there's nothing harder than unsupported. Yes, okay, you could say unsupported and naked or unsupported and barefoot, but the idea is to do the progression. So, or yeah. and then it becomes silly and, and backwards. But no, it's like, come on, yeah, or, or walking with your hands. To me, of course, that's my opinion. And support is the last remaining challenge when you want to cross a typical geographic area, which is crossing a lake, swimming, crossing a wilderness, a desert. And then that's also with the problem with some definitions and, and, and in the adventure world, because some people say, yeah, I'm the first. Like, I could be the first to... Actually, I give an example. They might hear me and they will not agree with me because I don't agree with them. I think there were two Brits, and they said they were the first to cross the five largest islands in the world. But first, how to define an island? Is Australia an island? Not so big, it's a continent. Yeah, but what is an island? It's a body of mass with water around. So, you know, how to define the island first? So they pick up five islands, uh, including, let's say, Madagascar. And if this is Madagascar, 
you can do crossing north to south long or you can do east west and so you always have to provide a map i mean when someone uh, says i'm going to beat the record speed or whatever show the map first if you don't show the map to me you are already trying to mislead somebody the audience the people the sponsors whatever show the map of what, what you want to do and, and and then comes the how you want to do but and then they did um yeah oh uh, so they did a crossing like like a short crossing and like some people have done it before say so yeah but we're the first to do these five crossings but the only thing that stops you is basically money because the people of Madagascar have done it and if you give them money they would go to Baffin Island and, and the other I mean the other five islands and I have a friend who's been on on every um, country in the world so if you don't define what is an exact because you pick up a crossing from border to border but if you don't take the longest border or the between port north I mean extreme ports north and south extreme port east and west or the longest diagonal so three crossing the you know north south from top north top south east to west or the longest diagonal if you do something in between you can always beat it because if, if they do this I can do there next year, say, no, I'm the first because I've done five kilometers extra. So I have a friend who's been walking on the beach on every of these five islands. Perhaps he did 200 meters. It's not a crossing, but how do you find a crossing when he did 200 meters? There we've done kilometers, yeah, but someone has done it perhaps more. So it needs yeah. to be funny. And actually, I'm building a course because in the 15, 20 years, I'm in the business of adventure. Um, there has been people lying, misleading, exposed sometimes when, and I found a few liars and some big ones that I'm, I'm, I'm gathering um, more evidence of testimonies because there's one which is a National Geographic Adventure of the Year with a lot of, with a lot of power and who am I, little small one, barely unknown to criticize because the, the fight back will be very, and she, She's a lady. She's been exposed by in her own country, but not, not many people read her Wikipedia page to find out that that the sentence because of Wikipedia is mostly true, um, where she lied. And basically, because she's done a lot of deserts and I've done a few years, I was contacted by people, and by accident, we started talking about her, and they say, "Yeah, I have some evidence that she lied here," and they showed me some evidence. And by accident, I met three people from three completely different countries who asked me stuff and, and found out that she has been lying on not one expedition, but probably all of their, of her expeditions. And so she's, um, she's the Lance Armstrong of expeditions. So has she done the thing? Yes, but the make-believe is different. Has Lance Armstrong not cheated? You never have won the results. So it, it makes complete that's, that's really interesting because I, I was actually only listening to... Um... To, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to a Rich Roll podcast, uh, very interesting kind of host. He talks about, you know, endurance sports, FKTs, everything to do with with that. And and, and the the most recent episode with a, a transcontinental runner. So the people, you know, the record that people run from uh, east or west to east or east to west in the United States, um, that there have been a number of people who have kind of, faked the record or uh, have used a, a much shorter way of getting across. Now, it's it's not a huge difference. I think there might be maybe 
like a couple of hundred um, miles, maybe in the difference over the course of like a much uh, larger. Miles is a lot. It's like five it, it is. Absolutely. It is. Uh, I guess the 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 the, the record it, it, for that is a little bit different because uh, it, it will always say, yeah, the longest you did the fastest for this from uh, San Francisco to New York, or you did the longest from. Um, Washington to uh, Miami, you know, the, the, there is a di- there is a difference. They they kind of uh, separate that, but the 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 point was that there was a lot of people that will uh, use these expeditions, to, uh, use these um, uh, challenges and events to just get limelight, and they do it and uh, uh, completely disrespecting the people that have gone before them that have actually set the record. That's what makes us the not liars very angry about it and. Uh... And, and we see it now also um, with the, the influencers in the last five, six, seven years, you know, maybe Instagram and, and also YouTube. There's people like me who are planning expeditions and they do expeditions. How many of my films have you seen? Probably none because the, the two are hidden. I've done two and there are hidden things because I want to launch um, a tour next year. And I want to finish the expedition of the Pyrenees and uh, Swedish Lapland. So I have four films and I can tour with the four films. And then you have these influencers who are making money with that. And so they find ideas of projects because they need the money. They became their kind of job. Me, I have a, I have a day job. So um, I do the expeditions first for myself. And so they think, okay, we should film something. What should we do to make money by filming? Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not, sometimes it's adventure, sometimes it's a bit big, but it's never so big. It's, they're not going to do something very, very extreme. So instead of me, I'm like, I, I want to find a really, really big challenge. And if there's no film, I'm going to film, but like in Tasmania, my, my camera is in the water somewhere. And then the journalist uh, make a mistake and uh, deleted uh, the, the videos of my GoPro. So that's why I have a few clips, but nothing to nothing to make a proper film with it. Uh, and that's fine uh, because I have I had a lifetime of experience. Uh, it, was, uh, it was an amazing uh, experience doing this expedition. And so we have, yeah, this, there's a, I won't say it's a balance, but there are two different people. The people who do it for the sake of adventure and the people who do it for money, recognition, ego, girls, whatever they, they're trying to, to achieve. And that makes it a bit of a problem now because the sponsors, they go for the followers and the nice polished videos. Um, you know, I, I will never beat a beautiful lady in bikini on top of a mountain. Sorry to say it this way, but it's the way it is. You look at the pretty girls. I mean, I had I never seen a sorry an ugly girl, an ugly guy on Instagram with more than five thousand followers. Let's say, if you're super pretty, you yeah. So beauty is the number one skill to have today. It's it's a shame because you can be a very hard worker, talented. Of course, it means that when when you're beautiful, you work to get there as well. But it makes it easier to to get there. And then you, basically your first talent is beauty. And it works for music, for hiking, for sport, anything. And I, I guess there's a, there's a little note within that that like the uh, unsupported is 
the, the it's the ugliest of it if you know what I mean like oh, in terms yeah. of like it's it's really hard and like you know some people are like, I don't understand it it's just too it's just too difficult uh, to kind of comprehend it sometimes so what's what's next what's the next big expedition do you have anything else coming up soon oh, yeah during the pandemic uh, I had no job so I had the time to plan like 15 things 15 expeditions not planned but well some are plan I've been planning for a few years others was just the ideas but in there I still have the uh, the crossing of Iceland in the winter and when I say winter is before it depends on the if again adventure depends on the definition the Brits winter is December January February and first of March it's spring depends on the if you use the stars or whatever the seasons uh, me winter is 21 December to 21 March but the idea is that uh, they have to do it in January, February, because I like the darkness and the experience of the darkness. So if I cross Iceland in winter, it's the dead of winter, midwinter, January, basically 30, 40 days, which has never been done before and supported and certainly not even alone. A few attempts have been done in the past, well, because I had announced the idea, but the Brits who try, they all fail because what they do is they train. Like I said, there's a difference. I won't say it's a common trend with the Brits. They have the money, they get the sponsors, they train hard, and often it works. And you have a lot of Brits that have done amazing things, but sometimes you need to be more creative because some challenges are really there and people fail and they, they, don't, they don't analyze why do they actually fail. And there are two reasons why you fail in Iceland. First is you go in March or sometimes people go even in April, which to me it's not winter. It's not because there's snow that it's winter. There's still snow in June in Iceland in some places. So uh, first thing is that you have at least a storm of at least 150 to 250 kilometers per hour winds uh, in a month. So tend to resist that and say, oh yeah, there's the huts. No, 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 no. Huts is supported. Man. If you follow a trail by four drives in the winter, it's also supported. So you have to cross country. Uh, I don't want to use the bridges on the expedition as well because for me the bridge is really there to to help. So I, I want to cross one of the very big rivers there. So I want to use the be completely unsupported in my definition. Uh, so the wind is a problem, and then the problem is that when they do it in February, March, precipitation uh, temperatures are often positive. So it's rain, it's not snow. So when the rain mixes with the with the snow and the ash, it becomes a messy slush. And what happened to the, the last bridge who did a, a serious attempt a few years ago, um, they got rescued three times in three weeks. And among them was the the, the the wind twice, and one time was frost frostbitten because they get wet. They get wet, and then suddenly the wind picks up, and then they get cold. No, you have to. You don't need a down jacket. You need a kayaking suit. I'm not going to reveal everything else. I, I plan to resist the wind, but um, that would be perhaps my most costly expedition because I need to invent a new tool that will cost north of fifty thousand euro now. So, but yeah, when you do a major world first that everyone is failing and that can save lives in the future, because how do you survive alone a wind of 250 kilometers per hour? Normally you can't, but I have an idea to make it happen, but that costs money. 
And that's where we left it. Unfortunately, my side of the conversation didn't record properly and that's why it ended there. Otherwise, you just would have listened to long pauses and seen uh, Louis-Philippe staring at the screen and occasionally answer a question that you can't hear. Uh, so we had to leave it there, unfortunately. But a huge thanks again to Louis-Philippe for joining me for this conversation. Uh, I will definitely be having him on again because there's so much more I would like to, to, uh, to ask him about. There's a whole list of expeditions and adventures that he's been on that I'm so curious about. And there's many more that he has lined up in the future. So uh, next week we'll have another conversation for you. Hopefully technology will not fail me that time. Until then, happy trails.